All right, we thank you. Thank God for you all being here today. And um, we look forward to sharing some things with you all that will uh, bless us and help us um, in our walk with God. Turn that down. Amen. You know, in this ministry, it seems like uh, a lot of times uh, we are responsible for, you know, for you to believe the truth. Uh, the Lord has to uh, remove the lies that people tend to believe. And um, the things, you know, some of us, we have in our minds about how God is and uh, we have in our minds uh, concerning different things of w the way that we think God is. And so oftentimes for us to get a right um, viewpoint of who God is, we have to tear down the wrong viewpoints. You know, uh, in the Old Testament, God says that I am the Lord thy God. I created both good and evil. Does everybody understand now? So do you think he created Lucifer without knowing what Lucifer would do? He had to know all of that. You know, he could have created everybody exactly the same. There would, if God had not created evil, there would be no evil. He created it. He don't do it as far as, you know, in our minds, the different things that we think about evil. But um, if God... <laughs> And I say, as far as in our minds, everybody understand that? But uh, God created it uh, because there would be no such thing as free will if there was no such thing as evil. Does everybody understand that? If God had only created good, I'm going to put it this way. If God had only created good and then gave you free will, you would only have free will to do good, which would mean you don't have free will. So he had to create evil to give you an alternative. Does everybody understand that? And so now, these are some religious cows <laughs> that we have to uh, kick over. Uh, to help us to understand God and why he does the things we do, why he does the things that he does, and to just give us an overall um, grand picture of who God is. Now, we have talked about this before, uh, not in a whole lot of detail, but if the Lord say the same, we're going to go more into detail about it today uh, concerning the love of God. Oftentimes, when people hear about God and they talk about God, they think about the love of God. Isn't that right? But you know, there's something else about God. He has a hatred. Oh yeah, he has a hatred. And it's way beyond what man <laughs> can imagine concerning God's hatred. Does everybody understand now? I tell you, one of the first and foremost things that God hates is rebellion. He created hell for rebellion. So does everybody understand that? 
You, do you know there's no such thing as love without hatred? There's no such thing as love without hatred. If there was no such thing as hatred, then there would be no such thing as love. You wouldn't have anything to compare it to. And so we know if, 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 if God created both good and evil, then he has the propensity on the inside of him to have love and hatred. And so we're going to move beyond that. People say, you may say, well, yeah, I understand God hates sin. And that ain't the only thing he hates. Now, according to your Bible, in fact, let's go there now. Let's go to the ninth chapter of the book of Romans. You know, there are people that God hate. I say there are people that God hate. <laughs> and I know we living in this society where everything is love, God is love, let's just love. Love reigns. Isn't that what people say? What is that, what is that famous? Let love rule? That, that. God, there are some people God hates. And I know some of us, we can read it in the Bible and still have a problem with it. But it's in your Bible, and we're going to walk you through Scripture today. We're going to show you two men and what it looks like. In fact, that's the name of this, this uh, message today, proof that God loves you. So we want to put that out there. You'll know when we get done with this message, you, uh, you know, uh, as we're going through this message, you're going to begin to question whether or not God loves you because we're going to make it clear that there are some people that God loves and then there are some people that God hates. And then you're going to wonder, well, which one am I? And before this message is over, you're going to know whether or not God loves you or whether he hates you. But you better know there is no in-between with him. There is no, there is, he don't like people. Or I, I'm getting to know people. He knew you before he formed you. So he didn't, you didn't have to tick him off for him to start hating you. <laughs> Does everybody understand? I'm going, we're going to prove it just through this set of scriptures here. If God hates you today, he hated you before you were born. Bible, not opinion, Bible. Does everybody understand that now? Is everybody there, the ninth chapter of the book of Romans? Let's start reading. Let's read verse 13, then we're going to back on up. Is everybody there, the 13th verse? As it is written. Where is it written at? In the book of Malachi, the first chapter. Jacob have I loved. But Esau have I what? Esau have I what now? Who is that talking? Jacob have I loved and Esau I didn't like as much? I hated Esau. Hated Esau. Now we're going to back up and show you at what point did he start hating him. Let's, let's start reading at verse 8. That is... They which are the children of the flesh, these are not what? The children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Everybody see that? 
For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet, what? Born. Neither having done any good or what? Evil. Esau didn't just keep going down this road and just all of a sudden got to a place where God started hating them. Before they were born, before they could do good or evil, God had already chose them. You I love, this one I hate. And ain't nothing you can do about it. Your good works, all of that, it ain't going to get nowhere with me. The Bible says that, that Esau sought God with tears trying to repent and could not, could not find a place of repentance because God had already determined to hate him. <laughs> Is that in your Bible now? Let's read that again. Verse 11, for the children being not yet what? Had nothing to do with how they gave their mother a hard time in childbirth? Okay, Jacob, you came out of there pretty easy. You didn't kick up a fuss. I love you. Esau, you come out of there breach. Your head's big. You causing your mother all kind of grief. Does everybody understand now? Ain't done nothing. Before they were born, God had already picked and chose which one he was going to love and which one he was going to hate. Does everybody see that now? Is that in your Bible? And we don't have to, we're not limiting this to Esau and Jacob. We could walk you through history and show you. But we're going to bring this to the new covenant, to the New Testament, so that people will know we're still dealing with the same God. We're not going to say, well, that was the God of the Old Testament. That God, he was a hateful God in the, to begin with because he was just destroying people and doing. No, we're going to bring it to the new covenant and show you. Even in the new covenant, there are people that God hates and there are people that God loves. Does everybody understand that now? Verse 11, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil. Everybody see? So you see it's not according to works? Let's go and keep reading. That the purpose of God according to election might stand. Now there's the, don't you, if, if you want to mess with some religious people, you start talking about election or predestination. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? And, and, and the problem that they have with predestination and election is that they take God off the throne from being God. Why was it God could hate Esau? Because he knew what Esau was going to do before he got here. He knew what was in him already. This is you, Esau. Before you're born, look at what he told Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I ordained you a prophet. I, I already knew what was in you because I created you to be that way. Does everybody understand that? And so God is not, he ain't got to wait to see how we're going to turn out. <laughs> no, he ain't got to wait. Does everybody understand now? 
It says, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, everybody see that, that the purpose of God according to what? Election. God is in control. It ain't one person that can go, that can will themselves to heaven. Does everybody understand now? According to election might stand, not of works, but of him that do what now? But of him that do what? Everybody see that? Let's go down to verse 14, just in case, you know, all of a sudden now we got a problem with God. Verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there any unrighteousness with God? God forbid, for he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. You can have a self-righteous person, ain't never drunk, ain't never smoked, ain't never fornicated, ain't never lied, and still go to hell. Then you can have a person who's struggling in different areas and repenting and asking God for forgiveness and go to heaven. That's because God shows mercy to whom he chooses to serve, show mercy to. Everybody don't live to be 100 years old. Does everybody understand that? God will take some people at 20 years old and they're in heaven. God will let some people live to be 100 and busting hell wide open. The age don't, age ain't nothing. Your, your time is set from the jump. So it ain't according to age. His own son died at the age of 33. Where is he at? <laughs> Does everybody understand that? And the devil is what? Thousands of millions of years old? <laughs> and ain't in hell yet. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? But he going. God ain't, he ain't like Jezebel where God has given him a space to repent. <laughs> that day is over. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? Let's go ahead and keep reading now. For the scripture says unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and, on, and whom he will whom he will, he does what? Hardeneth. Whom he will. Now, I'm telling you. Now, listen, uh, brothers and sisters. <laughs> this scripture, you read this here, I, I don't know how it don't keep you from falling on your face. Lord, please don't harden me. Because I can't resist it if you do it. <laughs> does everybody understand that now? This is for us folks that's just lollygagging around, that's playing with sin. That's what happened to Pharaoh. He played and played and played. The Bible, at, at, at first, the Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. But towards the end of his life, it says that God began to harden his heart. He couldn't help himself. Everybody see that now? So you see <laughs> that mercy now, that grace, uh, let's not take it for granted. If you're in a place where you know better and you can do better, you do better. 
before you get to the point where you can't. Does everybody understand now? You know it's two sides. You know some people ain't going to heaven no matter how much they try. And then there's some folks that want to get there, that's got a heart to get there, but yet and still want to play around and know better. You Do you know God will let you switch sides? I preached a message years ago, and I'm telling you it shook that church up that I preached it in. God writes with a pencil. You don't need to think because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life that is just there forever. We read in the book of Revelation, he'll blot out your name out of that book. He'll let you choose sides if you want to go play for the other team. So you ain't got to think that your salvation is sealed. It's sealed if you want it to be sealed. But God don't make anybody go to heaven. Does everybody understand that? And even after you get there, if you complain and you don't like the living arrangements, Does everybody understand that? You better know it. The devil was there. Yes, he was too. He didn't like their living arrangements. What did God do? Did God redecorate his house for him? No, I got another place. <laughs> you might love that one. Does everybody understand now? Isn't that something now? Verse 19. Thou will say then unto me. I say, I love how Paul just lays it all out. He's catching people's thoughts before they get there real good. Let me, let me tell you what you're thinking. And this is the response to what you're thinking. Everybody understand that now? What are people thinking now? Thou will say unto me. Verse 19. Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? In other words, that's not fair. How can God make me evil and then send me to hell for being evil? <laughs> Listen, ain't nobody frightened but the devil. I know where I'm going and I'm assured of it. So you don't see me, I'm not sitting in this little cubby hole here preaching this. Does everybody understand that? And if it's something on the inside of you that's uneasy, you better get right with God. That's the problem. Does everybody understand now? What say? Let's read verse 19 again. Thou will say it then unto me. Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Now listen, if you know he's that powerful, then why not serve him? If you got enough sense to say, well, who can resist God? Why aren't you acting right? <laughs> Does everybody understand that? <laughs> to me, if, if you could see that and say that, why not fight against him to be in his will? If you're going to fight him, fight him to be in his Resist that. Try to resist that. Resist the hardness. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 20, nay, but oh who? Man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? 
Everybody see that? Has not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto what? Everybody see that? Now here's the good thing about this whole thing. The Bible also tells us that God is not willing that any should perish. In other words, it ain't his will that people perish. When people go to hell, they deserve to go there. But God, in his infinite wisdom, understands everything ain't wanting what's good for it. So I knew you before I formed you. I knew all the bad decisions you were going to make. I knew you were going to reject what I did on the cross. So you're born going there. And I hate you before you do anything evil. Because I know what's on the inside of you already. Isn't that something now? See, we have to learn to think from God's perspective. God don't send, send righteous people to hell. Everybody that's in hell, they there, they earned it. Does everybody understand that? Everybody that's in hell wasn't trying to live for God. They had their own will. They rejected him somewhere in their life. Does everybody understand that? So you have to see the whole picture. The whole picture. And so then the question comes up. Brother Bolton, what side am I on? How do I know? What is my proof? Am I on the side of hatred or am I on the side of love? Let's go now. Let's go look. We're going to look at two men today, if the Lord will. Let's go to the 14th chapter of the book of Matthew. Now, this is a warning for us. And my prayer is that we'll understand it. This is a warning for us that when God speaks to us and when he uh, corrects us and we know his word, that we will live his word. It's time, brothers and sisters, for us as believers, and I don't mean just the people sitting here, I mean the people everywhere, if we're calling ourselves believers, it is time for us to get out of our feelings and out of ourselves and start living for God with our whole hearts. It is time to quit willfully disobeying God's word. Does everybody understand now? Now you have a little bit better understanding of why the word of God tells us to work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. Act like there's a hell that the devil wants you to go to. Now, you, don't, you know that you don't want to go there. So quit buying tickets. 
What's the ticket? Sin. Does everybody understand now? At some point, you have to quit riding <laughs> the grace of God and turning that grace into lasciviousness. In other words, a license to sin. This Bible tells me, how shall we continue in sin? The, do, is it God's will for us to continue in sin? That grace may abound. In other words, that grace may overtake me or outrun me. God forbid. Why? How shall we, who are dead to sin, live any longer therein? Does everybody understand now? And at some point, we have to get to this place where we realize, you know what, God? I'm, I'm dying to sin. I'm dead to it. I'm not going to live there anymore. You know, that's a, that's a choice you make every single day. I choose not to sin. I choose not to. And I feel sorry for preachers that tell that lie, that you can't live without sin. That's a lie. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. How in the world are you living in sin and not dying? The wages of sin is death. If I die a sinner, I'm going to spend an eternity away from God. Does everybody understand now? And I'm telling you, you don't fall for that lie that we repent daily. At some point, you need to just give it up. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're, you're not a new creature. If any man be in Christ, what is he? An old creature trying new things? <laughs> We're going to try it out. No, <laughs> a new creature. Does everybody understand that? Old things have passed, old things. All that old junk you were doing, that's dead. That's passed away. Bible says, behold, all things, all, not some of them, all things have what? Become new. And so I'm telling you, I preached that message years ago. I, 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 God writes with a pencil. And I'm telling you, you know, uh, <laughs> I got some kickback from it. People didn't like it. But how else, is, how else does God blot out somebody's name out of the Lamb's Book of Life? Does everybody understand that? He's the point he's making is, it's up to you whether or not you're going to heaven. It ain't up to him, it's up to you. Does everybody understand now? And I know, you know, today, especially in today's church, people don't want to hear that. They want to just do what they want to do and just expect God to take care of them. God's grace and mercy will get me there. No, the grace and mercy is there to stop you from sinning. That's, that's the gift of God, eternal life. He can stop you from sinning. Don't you know, if, you, if in your raggedy brain you could depend on the grace and mercy to override all the junk you're doing in your life and still get you to heaven, you could depend on it to stop you from sinning? 
if, if God's grace is that powerful to get you to heaven with all that junk in your life, why isn't it powerful enough to stop you from sinning? That's because you don't want to stop. And you got your own God made up. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? You better know it. I pray that people come out of that foolishness. Does everybody understand that? How in the world is God going to be justified? Letting the whole world go to hell behind sin and you get a pass. Does everybody understand that? And you can say, well, the difference is I accepted Jesus Christ. If you're still doing the same thing sinners do, you have not accepted him. That blood washes us and cleans us from sin. So is everybody there, the 14th chapter of the book of Matthew. Let's start reading in verse 25. We're just going to go over a few scriptures just real quick to, to prove God's point here. Verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went, went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Everybody see that? Oh, you see that comforting shepherd there? Don't be scared. Don't be scared. What did he say? Cheer up. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, what? O thou of what? Little faith. Wherefore didst thou what? Doubt. Everybody see that? Who, is, who was he talking to? Who was he talking to? You little faith. Why did you doubt? Everybody see that now? Hmm. Let's go to the 16th chapter of the book of Matthew now. And we're going to start reading at verse 21. It says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day then Peter took him and began to do what good old Peter 
rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. What was he doing? He was calling God a liar. Verse 23, But he turned and said unto Peter, What? Get thee behind me, who? Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of who? Everybody see that now? Get thee behind me, who? Let's read the first part of that. But he turned and said unto who? Who was he talking to? Peter. What did he call Peter? You're carnal-minded. You're not thinking spiritually. You want me to stay here because we friends. But because of that, because you're carnal-minded, you don't think spiritually. Did Peter tuck his head down into his chest and, and walk off and follow him no more? Could you imagine? You just got done walking on water last week. Just five minutes, month, just five minutes ago, you were being told what? <coughs> How many of y'all know the scripture? You're blessed, Peter, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this unto you. You're blessed, Peter, and I'm going to change your name because of it. You are a pebble, part of a bigger rock. And upon this rock will I build my church on this statement that you've made, that you made. You're blessed because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. And then five minutes later, get behind me, devil. Now, if Peter was like some of us, we'd go home and think whether or not we really belong to the ministry. Lord, which one is it? Am I blessed or the devil? <laughs> Does everybody understand? We get to rethinking stuff. Did I make a mistake moving here? Because, see, we've accepted the lie that God is just all love. We've accepted the lie. If you like me, you ain't going to correct me. You think about even the, the, the sisters, even the saved women struggle with their husbands correcting them. Struggle with it. Feel like you don't love me. If you correct me, how do you love me? I tell you why. Because you, you got a corner on mind. You still a 12-year-old girl thinking that that love is going to the ice cream shop. Does everybody understand that? And you know how crazy it is because as soon as he stopped talking to you, just letting you have your way, all of a sudden, you know you ain't loved. When he stopped correcting you, he must have another woman he's correcting. So you programmed right. It's on the inside of you. 
You know what love looks like. Because you know when it stops, his attention is somewhere else. You could tell them, I'm, I'm, I'm about to go to the store on the moon. They just built a new store there. Okay, just call me when you get there. Because I'm going to the sun. <laughs> we'll meet up <laughs> on Jupiter. Does everybody understand that? How many of you ever got to that place where he didn't care? And just go on about your business. You know it's over there, don't you? You know you ain't in a good place. And you know what's on the inside of you? What you start, you start doing a little stupid, crazy stuff to try to get corrected. Why burn the house down and you didn't say nothing? <laughs> Do something. <laughs> so then you know the man got to back all the way out of crazy world. Does everybody understand now? Let's go now to the 26th chapter of the book of Matthew. And we're going to start reading at verse uh, 30. It says, And when they had sung on him, they went out into the Mount of Olives, then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Everybody see that? Isn't that something now? But after I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. Isn't that something? Now, that's, that's the life of a prophet there. He knows what's on the inside of people. You've been best friends with him for the last three and a half years. And one of the last things he have to tell him is, tell him is, oh, y'all going to be offended at me. You're going to be offended. Why? Because it is written. It's in your Bible. You're going to be offended at me. You're going to be mad because I ain't going to do all kind of miracles to get myself out of the junk that I'm going to be in this night. Y'all going to be mad. And I'm going to back it up with the scripture because it is written what? I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Everybody see that? But then he sends them something to comfort them. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. In other words, I'm, I'll be there first and y'all going to meet me there. We're going to be friends again. Y'all going to get over it. But look at verse 33. Who's, what's the first thing you see there? <laughs> Shut up. Everybody understand that? <laughs> Peter. Now, this is after he's been called a devil. You thought, I'm going to just say, oh, you know what? I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't got to say nothing. But I'm going to tell you this. 
Peter had the right mindset. He didn't stay offended. If he had stayed offended, he'd have shut up after the Lord said, oh, you your little faith, why did you doubt? Well, you know what? I ain't got to get out of no boat. I ain't got to walk nowhere. I ain't even going fishing no more. Don't tell me to cross over nowhere. Why did you tell me to come down out of the boat? Does everybody understand that? He, but see, offense and his lack thereof, it made him try again. When people are offended and they get corrected, they go sit down somewhere and put themselves on a timeout. Well, I ain't, if I can't get it right, I ain't saying nothing. And you ain't about to embarrass me. This ain't nothing but a setup. <laughs> and guess who win? The devil. Why? Because now you cannot experience God's love through correction. You are removing yourself from correction. Did everybody understand that? And so now, y'all know where we're going. What is the proof that God loves you when he corrects you? That's the proof. When he corrects you, that's the proof that he loves you. Does everybody understand now? And so you see that? That's one, one of the reasons why Peter was so admired he was the most outspoken disciple that the Lord had. And all of these times of correction, he chose to still be himself. But you know what? Every time he got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. Did everybody understand that? You think about that. That's the reason why we have to become as little children. That's the reason why. Little children don't get offended. Does everybody understand that? How many of you ever, you know, when, especially when they, your, your little child, they get a year old, you know, that starts smelling like grown folk stuff. Don't it? I can't do it. I, they, you know, I had a grace for that when I was 20. That ain't there no more. <laughs> if, if I wanted to change grown folks, I'd go work at a nursing home. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not changing no little midgets. <laughs> you know there's a difference. You eat grown folks' food? Uh-uh. You going back to baby food. <laughs> Does everybody understand? Because your system ain't, it's just, it ain't lining up. <laughs> Put you on some applesauce. <laughs> So, you know, don't you know when that child get a year old, you still changing their diaper, what you doing? Come on now. Just help me out here. Some of y'all. What are they doing? Just sitting there all happy, just looking up, just. Or they sitting there thinking, well, you know, I ain't got to take a dump no more. If, if you got to do all that, just hire somebody. <laughs> they ain't thinking a thing about it. And we'll be back here in a few more hours. 
<laughs> Does everybody understand it? Because they don't get offended. They see the faces. They may know it. Yeah, you it ain't you ain't like you used to be. <laughs> but they don't think, well, you don't love me no more. If you did, you could stand it. They just little children. Does everybody understand that? And that's the way we are. Listen, when we do what the Lord tells us to do, abide in his love. What does that mean? Abide in his correction. Abide there. Don't despise it. Because that is the way God expresses love. Listen, until you become God, you will have room to be corrected. Does everybody understand that? So we all understand that concept there. You, imagine being God, and ain't nobody going to ever reach you. Nobody's going to ever be all-knowing and all-powerful like that. And, and dealing with mankind and, and wanting them to reach up to a place, a standard. And, I don't, and you know, this is what it's going to take for you to get to the place where I want you to be. And the whole time they're saying that they love you, and the whole time they're claiming, I'm serving you, God. Listen, but I don't want to be like you. I don't want to be corrected. I don't want to grow. Isn't that something now? And I'm going to tell you how God is. God will let you pass the third grade with an A because he corrected you to have an A. But when you get to the fourth grade, he expects something more of you. And you can't get mad because you got some more growing to do. When you were seven years old, you might have scrambled your first egg. And your parent might have eaten it. <laughs> Even though it was a little watery. But, and you think, well, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm queen of eggs. Can't nobody, ain't nobody going to tell me nothing about this no more. But as you mature, they expect better. I don't want a pancake egg. Does everybody understand that? I ought not to have to saw it with my <laughs> chainsaw to break it up. I want it fluffy. And as you mature in God, he began to tell you how to do stuff better than what you did when you were nine and 10 years old. And it don't mean he don't like you. It just means you have grown up and so now it's time to grow up. It's time to do stuff better than what you were doing last year. But if we don't like it, well, you, well why did you eat the egg last year then? Why you just didn't tell me? Because I didn't want to break your little heart. <laughs> Grace is what made that egg go down. 
Does everybody understand? Can you imagine how hard it is being God? You'd be mad as the devil if he didn't accept the egg when you first cooked it. But grace and mercy did it. But listen, that don't mean you just done arrived. It's time to make, let's perfect this egg. Let's make it better. Does everybody understand now? So see, Peter understood that concept. Does everybody understand? So let's go and keep reading now. Verse 33. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Everybody see that? Yeah, because I am calling you a lie, and I am rejecting what's written. And I am full of pride. Because all of them, now they got it in them. Now, you know, I agree with, I agree with you, Lord. Now, they going to do some stuff now. You, you know them. You know we done had our little talks about them. They going to do some stuff. But me, me and you, we cool. I'll never do that to you. Does everybody understand that? That's what he was saying. Now, could you imagine what the other disciples are sitting there thinking? Who are you? <laughs> Does everybody understand now? But they know if they know the Lord, what they said, oh, Peter, you about to get some of this love again. What did he say? Verse 34, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Everybody see that? You see the correction there? And you will say, well, that was before Peter had the Holy Ghost. Let's go to the second chapter of the book of Galatians real briefly. And we're going to start reading at verse 11. Look what it says. But when Peter was come to Antioch, what happened? I withstood him to the face because he was to be what? Blamed. What did he mean by withstood him? I corrected him. Who was this? Jesus corrected him? No, Paul. Everybody see that? For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself fearing them which were of the circumcision. Everybody see that? Verse 13, And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with that dissimulation. In other words, hypocrisy. One of the reasons why God corrects us, even in front of other people, is so that the other people know better than to follow us. Everybody understand now? And it, it, it has always amazed me that the people that don't want to be corrected want to be followed. Want a following. Everybody understand? 
So you see, even after Peter received the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, had the ability to walk down the street, and his shadow healed people, here he is now being corrected again. Everybody understand why? Because he understood correction is a part of growth. I can be so anointed that my shadow healed people and can still stand to be corrected. That's part of the reason why that shadow was able to heal people. You know why? Because he was abiding in the love of God, abiding there. When you stop loving correction, you stop abiding in God's love. Does everybody understand now? So we looked at Peter. We saw every wrong turn he made, every wrong turn he made. The Lord was right there. That Holy Spirit was right there to correct him. Isn't that right now? Let's go look at another fellow. Let's go to the sixth chapter of the book of John now. I have heard, and I want you to listen at me carefully. I have heard ignorant preachers say and have this mindset that all of the disciples, it appeared that all of the disciples were just jacked up. You see the Lord, for, for the most part, correcting all of them at different times. But Judas, and so what they're doing is they're making an excuse. See, so I'm jacked up. How many of you have heard that? All of the disciples of the Lord was being, was jacked up and the Lord was constantly correcting them. But it appeared that Judas had it all together because the Lord never corrected him. So the idea is this, if you, if you appear to have it all together, maybe you're Judas. But if you appear to be jacked up, maybe you really belong to God. Not so. Not so. You don't read one place in this Bible where Jesus Christ corrected Judas, but it wasn't because Judas appeared to have it together. It was because Jesus Christ did not love him. Does everybody understand that? So you don't have to parlay this into a license to sin. <laughs> Jesus didn't correct him because he was the devil from the beginning. There was no hope for salvation from him from the jump. Peter have I loved. Judas have I hated. Does everybody understand now? So no, we don't have to turn this into something that is not. <laughs> Judas never, he didn't appear to have it together. The Bible makes it clear what he was struggling with.
Do everybody understand that? And all the preaching that Jesus Christ did, not one time that he paused and said, now, somebody, it's coming to me. Somebody is stealing. Now, if you, will you please stop? I'm not going to call no names. All that prophesying he had on the inside of him, what did he choose to do? I'm going to let you be who you are because I hate you. Does everybody understand that? Let's read now. Let's go read. The sixth chapter of the book of John, we're going to start reading at verse 66. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter, good old Simon, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Everybody see that? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Isn't that the truth now? You see why Peter stayed? I ain't got nowhere to go back to. Go and keep reading. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a what? And one of you is a what? How was he going to love them then? Verse 71, he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being what? One of the twelve. Let's go, let's go deep into it. Let's go to the twelfth chapter of the book of John now. And we're going to start reading at verse one. And we're about to prove to you this love-hate relationship. Is everybody there? All right, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. They were made, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Now look at Jesus' response. So do y'all keep in mind what we just read, right? He didn't care for the poor. He was a thief. He just wanted some more money to steal. Everybody understand that? But look at what the Lord's response was. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Y'all see the correction there? No, you don't see it. You think the Lord didn't know he was a thief? Yeah, he knew he was a thief. But look at that. No correction. What did he tell Peter? Oh, thou little faith, why did you doubt? Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest the thing that be of this world and not of God. Correction, correction. 
I'm correcting you and putting you on a different path. What about Judas? None. You're going to have to pull with you always. No, not calling him out, not calling him a thief. Not, you know, I, you know, some, we, let's, let's just all, let's pray against the spirit of covetousness. None of that. Does everybody see now? No correction. Why? Because there was no love. I chose 12 of you and one of you is the devil. Everybody understand now? Let's, okay, so <laughs> let's turn on over to chapter 13 now. We're going to start reading in verse 21. Is everybody there? All right. Verse 21, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Everybody see that? Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was, leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, whom what? Jesus loved. Everybody see that? Who was this disciple? John, the one who's writing this book. How did he know the Lord loved him? Why would he say that? Didn't he love everybody? Don't God love everybody? So you see, even he had the revelation, God don't love everybody. And he's writing about himself. Uh, the one that was leaning on his shoulder, that's the one, that's the, one the Lord loved. And he said at the end of this book, I'm the one. I was writing about myself. I know he loved me. Why? Because I got corrected. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Verse 24, Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he, that he should ask, who it should be of him he spake. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Everybody see that? You see, Peter got a little bit of sense. John, you ask him. You the one, you supposed to be the close one now. You got the juice. Everybody understand that? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Everybody see that? Now, we're trying, let's, we're trying to prove this point of what we read in the ninth chapter of the book of Romans. Do you know that that was one of the most horrible things you could do and that anybody has ever done in this world ever was betray the Lord. That's that's one of the worst things, one of the worst things. And Jesus even told Pilate, you didn't do the greatest sin. He, the one that betrayed me into your hands, he did the greatest sin. And then the Lord spoke, and they, when they asked him, so who is it that's going to betray you? He said, the one when I dip it and give it to him, that's who's going to betray me. Didn't preach a message at all. Run from this sop. Don't take it. it is, don't take it. Dipped it and gave it to him. 
Why? Because Peter have I loved and Judas have I hated. And if you fool enough to take it, it was in him to take it. He, had, he was sitting right there. He heard it. But see that greed. I, I, I like biscuits. Especially when it's dipped in gravy. Everybody understand now. No correction. No correction. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to... I'm not going to turn over the bowl at the sop is in. I'm not going to do any of that. I created you for this purpose. Everybody understand now? You don't, you can look it up from one scripture to the next. You will not see the Lord correcting Judas at all. That's proof. We won't turn there, but you can look in the book of Hebrews. It tells us not to despise the chastening of the Lord. Why? Because whom the Lord loves, what does he do? That means that he don't love everybody because he ain't chastening everybody. He's not correcting everybody. If you are still in a place where God is correcting you, you ought to be worshiping him. Because everybody ain't getting corrected. It's some folks running 100 miles an hour into hell, and God ain't stopping them. Does everybody understand that? Let's, let's read that again. Let's look at what he tells Judas in verse 27. And after the sop, Satan did what? Entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him what? Repent, repent. How many of you know how Judas died? He hung himself. He hung himself. And went straight to hell afterwards. Hung himself. You think the Lord didn't know he was going to do it? But let's, now let's look at the Lord's response. That thou doest, do what? Don't do it, Judas. Don't do it. Don't do it. Did he say that? Do it fast. Let's get your ministry over with. You better pray to God that's not his response to you when you're living in sin. That that thou doest, do it quickly. No, don't, don't. Does everybody understand that? Not turn away from that. Turn away from that. He warns people that he loves. He warns people that he loves. If he don't love you, you don't get a warning. Just keep walking out the path. Hurry up and sin. Now you understand. Listen, brothers and sisters. There are people in churches where they are being told you can't live without sin. And flock to those churches. It makes you wonder what is God's heart towards those people. Anybody that wants the truth, God will feed it to them. 
But what about those people that's flocking to the churches where these churches are keeping them bound in sin and giving them an excuse? That's a sad, that's a sad, listen, it, it, when the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, it's going to bear witness to the truth. It's going to know something ain't right about this preacher. Ain't nowhere in the world I ought to be able to live in sin and get saved and you telling me that I can keep sinning and I can't help it? Something ain't right. But you know what? Some people like biscuits. Oh yeah, they love it. And even though the Lord have made it clear in his word, the wages of sin is death. The wages of that biscuit is death. I'm still going to take it. Why? Because I served the same devil that Judas did. I, ain't, I don't have the love of God either. Does everybody understand that? It is dangerous, dangerous to get to the place in your life where you don't like being corrected. Does everybody understand now? We're trying to change your mind about correction. Trying to change your mind about it so that God don't blot out your name. Does everybody understand that? Look at what he says, verse 27. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Everybody see that? Then said Jesus, does everybody see that now? Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. What did he understand was going to happen? You're going to betray me for money? You're going to try to give the money back? They're going to reject it and tell you that man's blood is on your hands? You're going to go out and hang yourself. Go out and hang yourself quickly. Quickly. Isn't that something now? Why didn't it dawn on Judas? I'm out of the loop. Everybody else is getting corrected but me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Because people love wages. They love getting paid. Does everybody understand that? You notice what the Bible says? The wages of sin? Sin got wages. There are benefits. And people don't want to be challenged to give up those benefits. The wages of sin. The payment. Oh, there's, there, it is a wage. Oh, yeah, there are benefits. We ain't going to sit here and lie and say it's not pleasurable for a season. If nobody was getting anything out of sin, nobody would be sinning. We'd be finding something else to do. Does everybody understand that? We all be knitting or something. So Judas, he loved wages. Does everybody understand that? And his, the love, his love for those wages outweighed and it kept him blind to what was going on around him. All of the other disciples getting corrected. 
all of the other disciples getting chastised every time they do something wrong. Everybody but me. And here I am right under this man's nose, stealing his money. Does everybody understand that now? That's dangerous to be in a place where the Lord don't correct you. Does everybody understand that? That's dangerous. I'm telling you, we better get to the place where we love God's correction. I don't care how good you get at something, God is better at it, and he wants you to be better at it. God can always show you something that you could have did a little bit better than what you did the last time. How in the world you think you're going to heaven? How do you think you're going to heaven? When God can't critique you in something that you can do better. But every time you cook, you're trying to make it a little bit better than what you made it the last time. Does everybody understand that? What's more important, food or your soul? Does everybody understand now? My prayer that we will learn to abide in God's love. Does everybody understand that? Judas went out and hung himself. He destroyed himself. I want you to think about those of you that's got small children, five, six years old. What if you left them to themselves at five years old? And tell them, I'll be back in 20 years, see what, see what you're up to. Hopefully you work it out. They're in the house by themselves, ain't got no parents nowhere. No aunties, no uncles, no grandparents stopping by. They just in there living. And, but, and listen, and here's the thing, you sending them money. Here, this, you pay bills this way. But everything else, you, you can live here for free. You five years old. You can live here for free. Just try to just try to figure out life on your own. What are you gonna come back to 20 years later? A mess if they're not dead. So why is it people expect after they've been living for God for five years, he's supposed to just leave them alone? Just let me figure it out, God. Quit, God. You ain't got to just let me grow some. <laughs> Does everybody understand the ceiling is now? You five years old in the Lord and you, and you done arrived? <laughs> yeah, it's foolishness. God laughs too. Does everybody understand that? God is a kabillion years old. <laughs> You're going to always be a year older him. He cannot trust you to leave you to yourself. I don't care how old you get. Even after you get to heaven, he knows, you know, I still got to take it from here. You know why? What did he tell his disciples? I go prepare a place for you. Even after you've reached the pinnacle of what you're going to reach, I still don't trust you to build mansions. 
I'm, I'm going to tell you where to live. I'm going to build your place. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> so my prayer is that we'll learn to receive correction. And when I say receive it, I mean uh, learn to have a right attitude towards it. Does everybody understand that? If God hated you, you know about it. You know today. Because when he hates you, he ain't corrected nothing. He's talking about something else. You can be acting a plum fool in your life. He won't say nothing about it. Won't say a thing about it. The poor you have with you always. That's as much as you're going to get from him. Does everybody understand that? It's a spirit that whispers to people. People, even people can, well, Lord, I'm out here doing this, I'm out here doing that. Well, you know, all of sin comes short of the glory of God. That's all you're gonna get. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. All you're gonna get is Romans 3. You ain't gonna get Romans 6. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I ain't correcting nothing. Do they understand now? <laughs> you better let that go. You better learn. Listen, get out of having to dissect correction. Does everybody understand that? You shouldn't, it shouldn't even be in your mind. Well, okay, so yeah, I heard this message. So, you know, I, I, now I understand. Now I see you just corrected me because you act like you haven't been read that in the Bible. Just say what it really is. I have the spirit of rebellion on the inside of me, and I just want to do what I want to do. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? That's all it is. God's word been his word. You know the scripture. Whom the Lord loves, he chaseth. In other words, corrects. You know the scripture. I didn't even have to get up in here and preach this message. But we're trying to warn you. Your attitude about it better change. It ought not to be something, you ought not to have a revelation of somebody's love for you. Oh, now I see. No, you don't. Does everybody understand that? I think it's a strange thing when people get corrected because they're doing wrong, they dissecting somebody else and where they are. It's you. You're the subject of this topic. We're talking about you, not my life, you. You the one getting corrected. So you ain't got to fathom and think in your mind, well, you know what, you, you know what, you, you bought me some grapes last week, so I know you love me. I, I'll receive that from you. If I don't buy you anything, I don't buy people. Does everybody understand? I'm going to correct you when I see it's wrong. <laughs> you take that as my love, not the grapes. Jesus gave Judas a biscuit and then turned right around and told him, go do it quickly. So you can't, you can't judge that on that. Does everybody understand that? You know why the Lord did it that way? Because he knew that's what Judas' mind was. He was overlooking all of that, all of that. Does everybody understand that? My prayer is that none of you have been programmed that way. Well, you think love is what somebody's giving you. 
where you think love is what, what your status is with the person. Do you know Judas being the fool that he was? He could have thought, I'm the most trusted disciple because I'm the one with the money bag. You were created. You were created, Judas. You were created to betray the Lord and then go out and destroy yourself. So yeah, we gave you the money bag. Because that's going to help you right along in your ministry. <laughs> Everybody understand now? So don't look at your status with people, whether or not somebody like you. They love you if they're correcting you. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? They, ain't don't have to, they don't have to be done gave birth to you. Some of your parents have told you, I spent 20 hours in labor with you. They ain't never bought that foolishness. That was you and daddy. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? That was what y'all were doing. I come here because of y'all. You didn't speak me into existence. You fell into a moment of lust. <laughs> so don't, you'll be in 20 hours in labor with me. What else would you going to do? <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Yeah, that ain't proof of love. Uh, people will, will be in 20 hours of labor and go right out and give their child away. That's to relieve them. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? So you don't, you don't you fall into that foolishness. Listen, brothers and sisters, love don't look like nothing but correction. Does everybody understand that? Love looks like correction. And I'm going to tell you why, why, why you have to base it on that. Because love don't care if you walk away or not. This is the truth and this is what you have to live by. He loved the other disciples that left him. Does everybody understand that? So what, what does love do? It take a risk. I'm going to correct you at the risk of losing you. At the risk of you getting offended. But you know what? You're going to know the truth. And one day you're going to grow up. And you're going to come to your senses about it. So love corrects people. At the risk of losing people. Do they understand now? All right. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this word that you spoke to us today. Lord, thank you for making it plain to us. Forgive us, Lord, for despising correction, for hating reproof. Lord, we ask that you will set us on the path to abide in your love. Help us, Lord, not to take your correction and your love for granted. Lord, forgive us for anything we've murmured at. Lord, if you've eased up on your correction, we ask that you come back. Bring it back into our lives, Lord, because we need you. Forgive us for thinking that we can make it on our own. Forgive us, Lord, for thinking that we can figure this life out. Bring it back to us, Lord. 
Give us a clean heart, Lord. Renew our minds by your word so that we will see things the way we need to see them, O oh God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, if that's all now, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll be dismissed. My prayers is that we'll take what we've heard home with us and uh, we will meditate on these things and allow the Lord to continue to transform our minds and our hearts concerning his word. All right, y'all dismissed now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.